Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. With Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, I am Tim Priester, and it's Thursday, September 28th, and this is Irish Illustrated Insider. We are previewing Notre Dame versus Duke. Notre Dame is a five-and-a-half-point favorite at Wallace Wade Stadium this weekend. 54-and-a-half is the over-under. Tim O'Malley, uh, what, when, like when, you, when you think of Duke, what's the first thing that comes to mind with Mike Elko as the head coach? Oh, Mike Elko. Uh, but turnovers is the first thing that comes to mind because I did read your story. But I actually, my answer, for one of the questions I sent out to the, our Duke insider at Devil's Den was when people think nationally of Duke, they think of Riley Leonard, except for everybody watching this game from our point of view thinks of Mike Elko. And Mike Elko's very sound, solid defense. And whenever you say sound and solid, you don't think this, that also creates turnovers. Usually sound and solid is a safe defense that makes you beat them up and, you know, makes, makes the drives count, makes every play count. They create turnovers and they're a sound defense. He's a heck of a coach, heck of a defensive mind. Um, I've not gone back and forth this week. I don't want to give anything away, but the trap aspect of this game is long gone. Remember this is the trap back in August. There is no trap in this game. This is just Notre Dame going in and having to win a game against a good opponent. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the turnovers are part of it, but also, I mean, a fourth down stop is a turnover forced, and they have seven of those as well. So it, um, they're not only good at forcing turnovers, they've been very good situationally this season. Um, you know, and, and Notre Dame was situationally very poor last week. So that's, you know, Notre Dame needs to get that cleaned up um, heading to Duke. But yeah, it's like the, it's a, when you add turnovers to seven fourth down stops in four games, I believe there's only, Two, yeah, there's only two power five teams with more fourth down stops than Duke. Um, so yeah, that's that's a big you add those together, that's a that's a big number. You're suddenly creating extra like two possessions a game for yourself. Yeah, that's a number I wasn't aware of, Pete, but I was I was on the turnover part of it. And interestingly, in the in the four years before Elko got to Duke, they were minus. 44 internal. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, they, they had one year where they were, they were minus 19. They were minus 20. They were minus 19. They, it, it's, it was really bad. Anyway, last year, Duke's plus 16. And then this year, they're plus five. And, and uh, that, that's a good number with the fourth down speed. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that one. And they're tied for 10th in the country at plus five. So, um, you know, th- that's a big one. <laughs> That's a big number to look at as we go into this game. Um, I Man, I still, when I look at this and I realize that their numbers indicate that they're doing a lot of positive things, I can't help but look at this and say, look what Notre Dame's, look what Notre Dame just did physically to Ohio State. I mean, they didn't, I, you know, I may be overplaying a little bit. They didn't beat Ohio State, but, uh, but they, they, they won that battle. They won that battle. You mean to tell me they can't do that against Duke? Yeah. Uh, Tim, I, I have two mea culpas here. Number one was from last week when I said Notre Dame's, I think they were fifth, were they fourth or fifth in pass efficiency defense coming into the Ohio State game? <laughs> and I said they won't be that after the season, after the game's over. Well, they're second. So I was yeah. kind of right, but I didn't mean it that way. Um, and two, when you were doing incident analysis, I think I've already told you this. We were doing incident analysis. 
I was watching, you said that they outplayed him for 56 minutes. And I just thought, I think it was just a great match, an even matchup. When you watch that tape back the third time, which is what I have to do for X things to say, they really did outplay Ohio State. It's a, it's a rough, it's a tough pill to swallow when you look at it that way. Um, I don't, I feel like the human nature aspect of this game is just not as strong as it could have been for Notre Dame, and it should just be good football. Um, I will caution people to like Duke, Duke has a really good group of corners, a really good group of corners. They got a including bunch a, of including a 24 year old who had 250 snaps for Texas A&M in 2017 when Mike Elko was coaching for Notre Dame. <laughs> He's a 17-year senior. I don't know what's going on, but they have a really good cornerback group. And the only reason I bring that up is Notre Dame is going to this game without any of their three veterans. And people are going to laugh a little bit when I say this, but they came into the year with the uncalsy Jaden Thomas, Matt Salerno were the only guys you could conceivably consider a veteran wide receiver because Chris Terry has never played the position. All the other guys are freshmen and Tobias Merriweather. None of those guys are going to play in this game. Uh, Thomas, for people that are listening, is doubtful. And when Marcus Freeman says doubtful on Thursday, he has a practice all week. I can tell you what that means. He's probably not physically capable of boarding a plane, much less playing in a game. Um, I think there's a huge challenge for Notre Dame's young receivers against Duke's veteran corners in the game. If you have to, if you want to start going specific, specific matchups. Yeah, the 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 DB that's or the corner that you're referring to, Tim, is Miles Jones. He had 30 starts. At Texas A&M, and they also have L. Blades, uh, which is a Miami Hurricane name. He played in the '80s for crying out loud, Tim. Yeah. That guy was great. <laughs> that guy, man, that guy stayed in good shape. Now L. Blades Jr., uh, who is now a DB for for uh, Duke. But uh, you know, as I was working on my preview, and you go through key personnel, I found like half of the defensive key personnel for Duke was in the secondary. Not only their corners, yeah. uh, but their safeties as well. I, you know, I look at their defensive front, and I know that. D. Wayne Carter is a three-year, three-time captain, um, third team, I think, two years ago in the ACC, second team last year. I like him, but I like R.J. Oban a little bit better at defensive end. And yet, you know, Oban's 260, uh, Carter's 305, so he's a little bit bigger, and Jamie on Franklin's 309. But I, I just, you know, if Notre Dame can get themselves back up emotionally, which I'm, which I'm sure they will, Tim, because like you said, the you know, the trap game's gone there. There's oh no gosh. margin for error here. You have to, you, you got to put your big boy pants on. And you got to be ready to play. But I still think that Notre Dame's offensive line uh, will be able to to create some, some holes for Notre Dame's running, running backs. Pete, what do you think? I, I think they'll wear them down um, in, in the same, not the same way, but a similar way to like, I don't know, like, did they outplay Ohio state? How much? I, I don't know. But I, I do think if there was a fifth quarter of last week's game, Notre Dame would have won the game because um, I don't think Ohio State was going to hold up a whole lot longer uh, on the defensive front. And I I think the fifth quarter last week will probably hit around the middle of the third quarter this week because it's mm-hmm. like you don't uh, – there's no JT Tuiolamlau there at Duke um, who's going to blow up your game plan. Um, so it's – there's no Tommy Eichenberg that's going to jump over the line of scrimmage. Um God that knows there's no play. sunny styles, even if they have some good players in the secondary. So it uh, it just feels like a game where I could see it being, I could see Notre Dame being down in the second quarter. And I could even see it being 21-17 at the end of the third quarter. 
but then the game ends with Notre Dame winning by 11 to 14 points. Uh, some news from Marcus Freeman. Uh, Eli Raritan is getting closer and closer to playing. It sounds like they are planning on him playing against Louisville next next week. And then Nolan Ziegler, uh, who's been out all year, missed the preseason, has been practicing, has been working with the prep team. And Marcus Freeman said that he absolutely expects him to be in the mix as they move forward. He didn't put a timetable on Ziegler, but that's promising news, not only for the Notre Dame defense, but especially for for Nolan Ziegler and, and Eli Raritan, who, you know, I still... Man, you'd still kind of like at this stage, you'd still kind of like to see if they could preserve a year of eligibility, but I'm not sure that they're in a position to do that. Uh, he, you, you have to preserve a year. I don't, I disagree with any, it's games. So he can't play until game seven. I would preserve a season of eligibility for Eli Rarity. So, he could play so four of your final six. Right. So you, you have to skip two games. And, right. and then if you're in the playoff, oh, and if you're in the playoff, then you play Eli Raritan. And it's so much more important for game number five that you play a playoff game than you play the yeah. next year. It's you, you do not play Eli Raritan against Wake Forest and Stanford if you're rolling along and you can preserve his year. I just don't I don't get it. I think it's I think it's a strange it's a hard conversation to have, I bet, because it's game six. He just feels like, well, I could play. Yeah, you can play seven more games if you think of the of the bowl game. Man, He's going to go play and get his feet wet at Louisville. That's a game. That's game tough. If he if he's getting five snaps at Louisville, I can't imagine he's like, wouldn't you think USC? Maybe he wouldn't play then. Like that's. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a, that's, I, that's I a think point. it's a long on-ramp for Eli Raritan, which is fine. Um, you know, and look, Marcus Freeman, he didn't say Eli Raritan would play against Louisville. Right. He said he might be able to play against Louisville. Um, so a big difference on that one. Um, so it's, I think there's, there's still plenty. Yeah. I, I, now, that, especially now that there's a, a loss, um, the utility in playing Eli Raritan has dropped a little bit, not a lot, but dropped. Um, and I think you just sort of manage the four games from here. Just pick your spots. I, I interpreted what he said <laughs> as we want him to play against Louisville as, as much as anything. Uh, I, and I know that he has been, Practicing, I don't know that, you know, I know that it was always the next step is is him cutting and, and maneuvering like that. I think that that's already happened. We'll see. But obviously, uh, uh, Eli Raritan's on the front burner now for Notre Dame. And Notre Dame could certainly use, you know, Nolan Ziegler was the guy that was probably going to to be the backup at both inside spots or was going to, to be a guy that they felt like they could include in somewhat of a rotation with the veteran linebackers. I think that's just great news for next year and bowl prep and stuff like that. They're not, yeah, they're Nolan not taking Ziggler, Bertrand out of games for Nolan Ziegler. They don't if, take him out if, for Jack Kaiser. No. Uh, yeah. Jack Kaiser needs those reps, not Nolan Ziegler. Um, yeah. But Nolan Ziegler still being with the program with and being ready for helping in 2024. Fantastic. Yep. That's helpful. You know, you can't, again, you can play him for four games. I mean, if he's not ready, he's not ready. Uh, but you can't. You do have the luxury of playing him for four games, maybe special teams. But, well, special yeah. teams would be good. He would definitely yeah. be a special teams yep, guy yep, to play yep, four games. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I agree with that. Anything else that came out of uh, Marcus Freeman? Pete, you asked about Jabron Payne, a smaller running back that you don't necessarily consider the guy that you want to go to in short, short yardage situations. And certainly, Audrick Estime is that guy. And apparently, so is Sam Hartman on fourth down. But uh, Jabron that Payne, was my follow-up question that I didn't ask. Yeah. 
Uh, Did he look like Drew Pine to you on that one, Coach? Or no, yeah, you can't do that. That's that's Jabron Payne's. That's Jabron Payne's ball next time. Yeah, that's like as as you sort of marinate on last weekend. I think I get more bothered with the fourth down calls than um, maybe uh, not the, the first. I don't mind the first the the offensive drive at the end. While not great, I'm sort of more bothered by the fourth down calls. The farther I get away from the game. Well, if, they, if they have personnel to succeed on that and they just kind of got too cute on it. Oh, the calls, not going for it. The actual. No, call. no. Like going for it. Yeah. I like it. Yes. yes. What, yeah. what you did when you went for it, less so. I don't think that there was any problem with Sam Hartman on the first one rolling out. He had it. All David Sherwood had to do was stay, just stay on your block. <sighs> All he had to do was stay on his block. And that's an easy first down. I just it, it's Sam Sam Hartman can't roll out and run. Yeah, that was a, that hard. was surprising how that finished. That I did not I did not like that finish. That it, it's not Tommy Reese on the the rollout. Like, it's <laughs> I don't have a problem. The other ones, I you know, I mean that's that's a that's an easy one to second guess. The first one, it's Sam Hartman for Christ's sake. He's in that he at Sam Hartman rushed for sixty one yards against uh, Duke uh, last year. Boy, did he not look like he has ever rushed for sixty one yards on that run? The, no, the lack sure of situational <laughs> awareness, what he, he was sure doing did. there, was shocking to me. That yeah, yeah. yeah. Just so, because I think I asked Marcus about it after the game, and he said it was supposed to, like it was a play action look. Yeah, which, they're looking for a touchdown. I, yeah, well, which I is know. why Sherwood, to be fair, which is why Sherwood may have come off his block because he thought uh, his initial instinct was to separate well no and that's an easy I, pass for that's an easy pass yeah, right, for sam hartman too. right right the whole right. thing went bad on hartman. But, my whole I, point I, is jabron Payne is really good in short yardage <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> that's I, a I, very good point watching <laughs> it again you, you just hope that that sherwood would quickly realize that if i just if i get my tight end slash fullback body on this guy it's going to be enough interference yep. to you know for for hartman to make the right decision left or right or what have you uh but didn't happen uh anything else guys uh, you know we talked about the takeaways with with marcus freeman um yeah uh for fans listening um because he's always a hot topic since he's a freshman guy that runs fast in a straight line it certainly did not sound to me like braylon james was in the plan to play much in on this game he is practicing with the varsity because he has to be but if, once we go back at everything marcus freeman had to say Read those comments. It does yeah, not sound said, like think, they're they're not extending the wide receiver rotation unless they have to. Uh, he, he said he's with the offense and he's getting better. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't a glowing review as to his progress. And uh, we've been talking about Deion Colsey and his knee injury. He is uh, scheduled to have his his knee scoped today. Did we say that? And I know he said that. Um, and so it'll be a, obviously a few more weeks before we we see Deion Colsey. We are uh, we're going to come back with the segment two burning up the boards. We're now in the peak of the NFL season, which means we are in the peak of fantasy season. You already know about our fantasy sponsor, Underdog Sports. But what you don't know yet is that they have a special announcement for our listeners. From now until October 4th, they have increased their deposit match to $500. That means when you download Underdog and make a first deposit, they will double that number up to $500. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including their Pick'em game. And Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. You can multiply your money times 20 by going five for five. They also have a best ball mania. If you think you know football, 
You've got to check this one out. This year's Best Ball Mania has 15 million in total prizes up for grabs with the winner taking home 3 million. So sign up today with promo code IRISH and get your first deposit double up to $500 until October 4th. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code IRISH to get your first deposit doubled up to $500. You must be 18 or older and present in a state where, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit GameDayYourWay.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit aerlingus.com to book today. Segment two, burning up the boards. First question comes from Backer Tiki. Is that linebacker Tiki? Because that's an interesting name. I like it. Anyway, how does Riley Leonard (laughs) compare to the other two power five quarterbacks Notre Dame has faced? Well, he compares uh, mainly to Brennan Armstrong, but he's he's longer. I mean, one one listing has him listed six four two twelve. Another one I saw six five two twenty. He doesn't look quite six five, but he's. I mean, as dangerous as Brennan Armstrong was as a runner, this guy's more dangerous. He is. He's longer. He's quicker. He's faster. He's. Yeah. You know, and, and they and they run so much read option that he's a threat. You know, on on virtually every play to to run it, and I would expect that. They will not hesitate to run him in a in a game of this magnitude. So he's he's good. He's it, it'll be interesting. I don't know how much you guys have seen him, but he's he throws from a lot of different arm angles. He'll throw a lot of sidearm stuff just to you know complete just to get the pass off, just to complete it, whatever it takes. He'll do it. But they do not. I mean, you want to talk about like people were upset and Dame didn't throw the ball downfield last week. Duke does not throw the ball downfield a whole lot. Um, you know, their top receivers are averaging 12 yards a catch. And and I think, you know, from some of the stuff that I've read and seen, they're they're not very comfortable throwing the ball down the field. So they're going to try to string together long drives against Nordame, the Nordame's defense. And I think that's going to be at times that's going to be pretty difficult for him to do. Riley Leonard has a lot of shine for a quarterback with two touchdown passes this year. Um 
it's just like his skill set is the fact that he can do everything. He was Duke's leading rusher in carries and yardage last year and rushing touchdowns with 124 carries for basically 700 yards and 13 rushing touchdowns. So he's a load to deal with. Um, I don't, unlike last week, which really tested Notre Dame's safeties, I don't think Riley Leonard is going to do that. Um, you know, Riley Leonard's skill set is, I think, much more like it's stretching your front seven and your corners um, horizontally with how he can run and move and just like find the shorter stuff. So he's, he's talented, but if he's like Brennan Armstrong at all, I mean, Notre Dame had a pretty good plan for that. Uh, you know, you do wonder uh, how much they altered the plan uh, now that it's completely on film for, uh, for Duke. The, the, I don't think you necessarily, I, because they have better wide receivers. I do like Calhoun and Moore a lot more than uh, NC state's outside oh, targets. Great. So I'm not sure you want to, go ahead and trust him to have 3.5 seconds like they did Brennan Armstrong. But I don't think this is a bad matchup for Notre Dame's defense. Uh, I'm curious, of course, when we get to predictions and stuff, what it is for Notre Dame's offense. But Leonard is better than Brennan Armstrong right now. Uh, he just He's more accurate. He he's is. more accurate. I don't get the big NFL talk around Riley Leonard. Yeah, that's a, to me, that's a little premature uh, yeah. for him. But I do find it interesting that you know, he ru- he rushed for 98 yards against Clemson and he rushed for 97 yards against Northwestern and then against Lafayette and UConn. He, he didn't even. So I mean, he was, I was on a Duke podcast. They are hundred percent sure he was told not to run in those games. Yeah. Because oh, you don't oh, run yeah. your quarterback when you yeah. don't need to. Right. I totally believe that it looked that way. The numbers reflect that that's true. So, you know, they're picking their spots. This obviously again is one of those spots for him to, to run as much as he can. They've got, you know, Jordan Waters is their top running back. He's got a bit, a little bit of a burst. I do like their t- their top two receivers, Jordan Moore uh, and Jalen Calhoun. Samir Hagens is a the guy they go to. I don't think that they're, you know, we've seen some tight ends run through here. I don't think that their tight ends are. Uh, did I say I love Cade Stover? Man, I love oh, Cade. Pete and I said we love Cade Stover last night. Cade Stover is a player, man. There were good tight ends in that game. Yeah, yeah, really good tight ends. Uh, speaking of which, Mitchell Evans, were you guys around there for Mitchell Evans? Oh yeah. Uh, being from Ohio and 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 talking about, you know, it was kind of personal playing against Ohio State, so he was pretty excited about uh, the kind of game that he posted against them. But I, I, Duke does not have uh, the tight end threat that some of these other teams have, and that's that that's significant when you don't have a real downfield passing game which Duke doesn't. Two touchdown passes, as you pointed out, Pete, uh, pretty wild. Now, they have 15 rushing touchdowns, yeah. which is right near the top of the in, of the country. So uh, that's a good matchup against Notre Dame's defensive front. Next question is from Pin and Pull, and it's kind of what I asked Marcus Freeman today. Where is your confidence level with the wide receiver core of Merriweather, Tyree, Flores Jr., and Greathouse against teams like Duke and Louisville? I say we keep the Duke. How much will Notre Dame miss Jaden Thomas in the run game? Well, to Merriweather's been doing a hell of a job, uh, probably better than his his frame and physique should allow him to do as a blocker, but he's been doing a nice job. Still, you need Jaden Thomas. You want Jaden Thomas uh, because he gives you that, you know, that that second tight end light blocker, but can also run a, a, a wide out route for you. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I think Great House and Flores are emphasized heavily, and I think they step up. I think Great House 
I, I'm more confident in Greyhouse and Flores, even though I think both will be big hits for Notre Dame. Um, and I just like the way the ball gets to Greyhouse is easier than how it gets to Flores. You know, like the 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 routes Flores are running, I think, are a higher degree of difficulty um, than what is happening with Greyhouse right now. But um, I, yeah, Thomas in the run game, probably you miss that a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be a big time 12 personnel game. I think that's fine with stays and Evans. Um, but then I'd like to see Tyree be one of the receivers on the field sometimes, even though, cause like the second tight end of the slot receiver user interchangeable. That also applies mm-hmm. to great house. Um, well, maybe a little bit more variety for Tyree and great house this weekend in terms of where they align. He did mention, I asked about Tyree too, since he's in game six now that he has worked a little outside in practice and they're probably giving him a little bit greater role. Uh, I don't know how big of a role Chris Tyree can have, but he's averaging one big play a game. Maybe for Duke, when you're missing Jaden Thomas, he needs two big plays. Yeah, I, think, I think he's a pretty good fit for the field uh, wide out and he's shown, uh, he's shown it. I, I, and I, I don't know about you guys. I was skeptical that he could be a legit route runner as we got, you know, we started to go into the season, but he's shown it. Like you say, Tim, like once a game, there's, there's something. Um, And now with your, with your numbers down at wide out, maybe it needs to be more like two or three times a game. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if he got away once on these long runs, he just finished it off and made somebody miss. Yeah. Hasn't happened yet. Question from ZT Hundy one. What are your thoughts on the fourth and short calls? I'm struggling to understand why most teams don't attempt to line up under center slash QB sneak slash tush push 99 times out of a hundred. When did that come into play? I'm seeing that all over the place now. It's uh, legal. Jalen hurts. Yeah. Jalen hurts. Oh, no, no. I mean the phrase. Oh, tush oh. push. Anyway, on this podcast right now. Yes. Yeah, I'm not, no, I I, no, I've seen it lately. Anyway, I didn't finish the question here. I know Mitchell <laughs> Evans will do it from time to time, but absent, Kim Hartman should be more than capable, which is we were talking about this when we weren't on the air. Let's talk about those fourth and short calls. So I do want to jump ahead and say that I believe Mitchell Evans did not practice the Mitchell Palooza during the week. And I'm positive after talking to Mitchell Evans, he didn't because he said he was not 100 percent sure to play all week. Like he was brought back slowly. You are not hitting Mitchell Evans with scout team people in the helmet when he's coming back from concussion protocol. Mitchell Evans will be the fourth down guy this game. That's my call of the day. That would be fine. Uh, I'd be fine with uh, Wildcat to Jabron Payne as well. Yes, also. That that worked. Um, I know it was at the goal line, so it's maybe a little different. But I, the that sort of three-back look where it's like a power T, I would do that. Um, I just... You I know Sam Hartman is slightly mobile, but I don't, I don't like him as a run threat at all. Um, he just... I think I sort of track like, you know, the zone read concept where you give it and keep it. And like, you would think he's Jack Cohn in terms of how much he's giving it because he gives it all the time. I, I think it's interesting because I think it's I, more than anything. I think it's just him being out of the running mindset. Tim, we said, yeah, we no, I think it's a good point. I, yeah. We saw him in 2018 and that was one of the, I don't remember what the stats were, but that was one of the things I liked about him that I thought he was, spunky enough to just run and and take somebody on it's like he's completely out of the the running mindset and it showed well it certainly showed in the first one when it, it, 
whether he was a sitting dog the second time. He was a sitting oh, dog. Oh, God, I hated, uh, the, I hated okay. the second one more than I hated the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I, uh, maybe if he hits it right away as opposed to that little sidestep and trying to get behind the left side of the line, I don't know. But there are other options, and I'm sure that because of the results last weekend, I'm sure Jared Parker will be exploring those other options. We have a question from CMU Penns fan. Clemson moved the ball at will versus Duke, but kept turning it over. If Norton keeps a clean turnover sheet, how does Duke beat this team? CMU Penns fan, first time caller, long time listener, I guess, right? That's uh, if Notre Dame keeps a clean turnover sheet, they will not lose to Duke. That That is not happening. Notre Dame will not lose to Duke with a clean turnover sheet. They will win by two touchdowns. I agree. It's a, That's impossible. Um, I'm just you know going through the old Clemson box score here. They had two fourth down stops. They had one pick. And they okay, Clemson had five turnovers if fourth down stops are counted as turnovers, which they should be because they you are turning the ball over. Um I think Notre Dame could have two turnovers and win the game by 10 to 14 points. You know, we talked about this. Uh, I think we talked about it on Monday. Again, when you look at the stat sheet of Clemson Duke, and I'm saying this uh, on for both teams because Notre Dame will play Clemson again, although they certainly don't look like a real cohesive cohesive team. Uh, they're still going to have to go to Clemson and play that game. But in that in that Duke Clemson game, Duke had 17 first downs. Clemson had 29. 29. Wow. I don't know how they only had 422 yards. With 29 seven points. points. <laughs> seven points. That's that is unbelievable. 29 first downs, seven for 15 on third down. So, you know, this Duke defense, maybe they played like nine guys at in, inopportune times. You never maybe, know. They, I, didn't, I didn't pay attention. Maybe that was the case. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's just astonishing to me. Uh, some of the numbers from, from this game. Except Duke had seven penalties, Clemson had one. <laughs> it just wow. doesn't take it just doesn't make sense. And that's a, that's a good point about the, the turnovers. That is five turnovers uh, in essence, because Clemson had, you know, they couldn't get out of their own way in, in Duke territory. Duke turned it over twice. They fumbled twice. Um, and, and Clemson even had a seven minute advantage in time of possession. As so, uh, our old like, friend, it, Michael Birch, he texted me during that game. And he's like, do you think Dabo Sweeney ever watched the uh, 2011 Notre Dame South Florida game? Because he's watching it right now. Yeah, he sure was. <laughs> but 532 yards to 190 or something like that, that's just insane. Oh, I guess my point is if Clemson can do that, and I realize we're further down into the season, but since then, Duke has played Lafayette, Northwestern, and at UConn. Uh, you know, I, I go into this game with a, a pretty high degree of confidence that, that Nordham can win this battle in the trenches, and if that happens – in addition to protecting the football, then they should be able to to, uh, to move to five and one this week. Next question from Hayden Adams Z. How incensed will fans be if DJ Brown intercepts a pass at any point the rest of the season? I don't know. <laughs> a I don't mean know. question right there. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Depends on when it happens. Yeah, yeah that's be, true. Might if it's about Caleb Williams in the fourth quarter and Notre Dame wins, nobody's going to be like, oh, God, I can't believe we dropped those against Ohio State. And let's remember that DJ Brown led Notre Dame in receptions a couple of years ago with, with three interceptions. Yeah. 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 As for what I say, did I say receptions? receptions. Oh, four intercept. He does have four interceptions in his career, three in 
in one season. One, I think it was, I think it was, wait, was it this year? It was this year. Yeah, he has one against NC State and Brennan Armstrong. Yeah. That was a little, that was a tip pass where he just had to, had to dive for it. His was a tip pass too. It just hit the ground, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I just as, want, Pete said, as Pete said, if he tipped that pass, if he would have dropped that better, uh, Xavier Watts would have intercepted it. Yeah, like a we do a volleyball sets kind of situation there. Yeah. Well, if it's a key off. interception, I don't know that Notre Dame fans will be incensed, but they will harken back. They will harken back. <laughs> they will harken. I was going to say reckon. It was like the other day when I was trying to think of fade. They wanted like somebody wanted to fade my pick, and I kept thinking shade, and that's not. I knew that wasn't right. Question from uh, M. Solner. How does Nordheim's offensive line match up with Duke's defensive line? Elko's scheme seems to make it challenging to decipher pass coverage, but will they be easier to run at? I mean, I think they're easier to run against in terms of efficiency than both NC State and Ohio State. So that's the best... Clemson rushed for 213 at 5.34 yeah. carry. I, I think NC State's defense is big and stout um, up front. Now, there is, I mean, Dukes is well coached. And as I said, I have an issue with the corner situation against Notre Dame uh, with because they're so young and inexperienced on the outside. But I think Notre Dame will be able to run the ball. And I believe that you will see more Jeremiah Love than backs three, four, and five in this game after the way he played in the last game. That's interesting. Um, I mean, Jamie and Franklin is there. I think if we sort of compare him to like what, where his role would be if he was still at Notre Dame, like mm. it'd be a deep, deep reserve. Um, I just, it just feels like Notre Dame's offensive line is going to grind them up over the course of four quarters down there. I just, yeah, I mean, this is why Notre Dame is, I've talked to people who work for the ACC network about this. Um, Roddy Jones is one of their analysts and he, he contends like, Notre Dame's 29-game win streak against the ACC is down to the ACC doesn't see offensive lines like Notre Dame ever. And every time it rolls around, they it's like, well, you just you check the 200 yards rushing box. Um, I don't know if Notre Dame will get to 200 yards, but actually, I think they probably will. Um, I think they probably will, too. That's like every time Notre Dame plays an ACC school, they're not prepared to hold up against the run because they just haven't built their roster that way. I think even for Clemson, understandable reasons. Even Clemson can't hold yeah. up. I mean, they got, they got bludgeoned last year by Notre Dame. I, Pete, I don't know. Uh, I, I never really got a chance to know Tyler Santucci, who has I didn't pretty, either. Who's pretty much followed Mike Elko around. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was at Wake, actually. For a year with after Elko had gone to Texas A&M just to get his to get a, you know, a full time career going, full time position coach going. But he is the he's the defensive coordinator. He's been with Elko. I mean, almost literally every year since Elko was here in 2017. I'm just throwing that out that uh, for fans that don't know that that Duke's defensive coordinator is a former Nordic uh, GA or, or Aunt GA, I guess he was at that time. Uh, but yeah, I, I I do think that Nordame has some is in a position to have considerable sec, success running the football, which then opens up the passing game. And you know, I'm not in a position to put. I don't think I'm in a position to predict a 17 point victory, 14 point victory. But if some of these variables go Nordame's way, that's the direction it certainly could head. Next question is from Matthew J. Bowles. 
what players on Duke's team would start if they're at Notre Dame? Well, for the first time in a long time, the quarterback would not. No, would not. Uh, Jalen Calhoun would. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Jalen Calhoun would start for the Irish wide receiver for people that are unfamiliar. Uh, Who's their top safety? Uh, there's uh, Jalen Stinson. I like Stinson. Him. I was going to say, yeah. Okay, well, that's one. Hey, you know what, Jalen? <laughs> so check this out. So check this out. Jalen Stinson's all over the place. Stat sheet stuffer. 5'8", 177, strong safety. 5'8", 177, strong safety. Uh, Pete, uh, there, Tim, I don't know if you got that from, from no, Pete. I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I he didn't have to know who it was. He just wanted to hear who the top Oh, no, no, I know. <laughs> no, I get that. I, I get I get that. Uh, uh, you know, they have, a good, they have a good secondary. It's not a very big, even their corners are kind of small. Yeah. Like except Elko's for, a safety uh, except for by Miles trade. Jones, who's a monster. Like that's, that's El, Elko's a safety's like yeah. wizard. Um, yeah. Like you know Jesse Bates from Wake Forest, who yeah, is like a, yeah. is he a Pro Bowl player. Like I, man, that that guy can coach safeties. Um, so wh- whatever he's working with down there, like you knew that those are going to be good. Good. They've got players. a really good. They've got a really good nickel in in Brandon Johnson, who's 5'10", 180. Now Miles Jones oh. might play safety for Notre Dame. The the seven year guy that started mm-hmm. for four years at Texas A and M he's six four, yeah. hundred ninety five two hundred pounds, I mean, so he's a player. Yeah, D Wayne Carter would. He's kind uh, of he'd play for Notre Dame, rotate in. Yeah, well, yeah, that's so what I was going to say. Clearly. He's kind of combo D N D tackle. I think he would play D tackle for Notre Dame and would find himself around the football a little bit more than than Notre Dame starting defensive tackle usually does, but. Not a ton. I mean, not linebacker. Uh, you know, not corner, although we like their corners. Yeah, their corners are very good, though. I mean, that's not that has nothing to do with the corners. Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart are just better than the corners, but they have they're deep at corner too. Duke's deep at corner as well. Yeah. Jordan Moore Two players, and, basically. Jordan Moore and Jalen Calhoun would play a lot of football for Notre Dame at wide receiver. Yeah. No doubt about that. No doubt. Uh question from Star Civic Frank. Am I crazy for thinking that Notre Dame will run the table? I talked about this today. Um, I talked about this today. Let's kind of want to watch this game unfold, see if there's any mindset issue for Notre Dame. I don't think there will be. Um, If I was going to bet, I would bet they would lose one more game. I think we brought this up Monday, Tim. Somebody asked me if my prediction changed, and I didn't have them losing until that Pit Clemson range, so yeah, I guess my prediction changed. I think they're gonna lose. They're gonna lose an extra game, but I was gonna have them lose uh, two games anyway. I had them at ten and two, not eleven and one. So my, I guess my prediction did not change. I think they will still go ten and two. I don't, I don't think they will run the table. I don't think you're absolutely crazy for it though. No, I running the table seems like a stretch because I mean the weaknesses of Notre Dame's team that we all thought they had at the beginning of August showed up on Saturday, like. They they don't have dynamic receivers. Safety play, they're short. Like there's there's really no playmaker back there as much as like Xavier Watts is a good college player, but like they don't have a playmaker at safety. And the ability to get pressure with that defensive line is just not there. Um, those like every team has strengths, every team has weaknesses. We knew what Notre Dame's were. They those those hurt them on Saturday. I have a hard time seeing that not happening again at some point. Um, but I, I'm with you. I did not think they were going to go 11 and one. Um, I thought they go 10 and two. I, I really think they're going to win the nine non-marquee games. Um, 
and then split. I think splitting Clemson and USC would be that would be a great season to me. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's crazy either. I think it's um, it's tough. It, it, it's mm-hmm. tough, and I think everything that you guys are pointing out is to shortcomings. I remember asking Marcus Freeman. Uh, but I'm trying to remember when it was, whether it was in my June interview or whether it was in August when we were already uh, getting together and, and doing interviews. But, you know, I, I we we knew how he felt about his pass rush. We knew that they were concerned mm-hmm. about the pass rush the whole time. That's why they went and got JJB. But they they really needed a little bit more than that. So, yeah, I think some of these things are coming to fruition. Um you know, I don't know, is USC getting better defensively? I'm hearing some rumblings about that. I haven't had a chance to study them yet, but I imagine, I, hell, how could they not be better than they were? I was about last? to say, how, do you, how would you know? Yeah, it's, I it's double were, into they, being better. Yeah, they were ridiculously bad last year defensively. You know, I'm inclined to say that there'll probably be another dip if, you know, if it's 10 and 2 and you win one of the two big games remaining. That, that's uh, that's a pretty good season. If you go eleven and one and you don't make the playoffs, which could very well happen, because by losing to Ohio State, you know Michigan and Ohio State are probably going to get two of the spots in the playoffs, right? I mean, well, if, one of them. if one Ohio of them, so. State beats, if Ohio State you know wins out and beats Michigan, I think you don't. Right, Penn State's sure. there too. Like between yeah. Penn State, Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. You kind of need a look round around. Robin. That's just the thing. You look around the country. Texas is undefeated. Georgia's undefeated. Most of the pack, you know, the upper echelon of the Pac-12 with Washington, it's going to be very, even if Notre Dame goes 11-1, and one, and I usually say, wow, if Notre Dame goes 11-1, and one, they're going to make the playoffs. And I don't want to, looking too far ahead, silly right now, but I look too far ahead and it's like, man, I don't know that there's go- there are going to be, en- there, there might be too many undefeated teams with the Ohio State-Michigan dynamics provided that Ohio State beats Michigan. I think okay. if Ohio State miss, beats Michigan with Michigan's strength of schedule, then Michigan's not getting the. Well, that's a good point. That's a good getting, point. Yeah. Final question, Irish John M. If Notre Dame scores thirty-five or more points against Duke, is that a win? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'd be. Ter- something went weird if it wasn't. Yeah. I think Notre Dame. Whereas last week, I was pretty convinced the winning team would be in the twenties. I didn't think it would be in the teens. Yeah. It was like, it was a question whether it'd be in the twenties or the thirties. It's like, Oh, I think it's definitely going to be in the twenties and think it'd be 14 was almost enough to win the dang game. Unbelievable. 35, I think is feasible. 11 would have been. (laughs) 11 would have been nice. Yes. 11 would have been really nice. Now 35, 35 definitely gets you a W and I think it could happen. It could happen. Yeah. If Notre Dame put 35 on Duke, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Duke is I, not scoring 36 points against Notre Dame in Cameron. I mean, in Cameron, they're not scoring. They, they will in Cameron for sure, uh, yeah. but not at Wallace Wade. No, I don't think so. It, uh, I think Duke getting to 20 would be, I don't know if I'd, it would, yeah, it might surprise it me a little bit. That would surprise me. 28 would surprise me. 20 would not surprise me. Yeah. 20 just happens. In three, t- three touchdowns seems reasonable more than that. Right. Well, since you, guys are, since you guys are throwing numbers around, we are yeah. at the segment of segment two in which, on a Thursday, you guys predict scores. Hit it. I uh, I think that it will be – I think Duke will lead at some point in the game in the first half. I think it will be a one-score – I think it will be 21-17 in the end of three quarters, and Notre Dame will win 28-17 uh, 
um, just because the the offensive line will grind Duke down eventually. Uh, and I just don't, I don't see Duke scoring a whole lot on this defense, the way that they're structured, you know, it's a, I think Notre Dame's defense is really good. Um, but I think this is a, a matchup that also favors Notre Dame's defense opposed to like, you know, USC in a couple of weeks. Cause I, I don't see Duke stretching Notre Dame's defense where it is stretchable. Um, I, so 28, 17 Notre Dame fourth quarter touchdown makes it a two score game. Uh, and Notre Dame sort of gets back on track. And I will say like the, the, catastrophic losses that Notre Dame has had in the past. Typically they've bounced back from them really, really well. Um, you know, even going back to the, the red invasion, Nebraska game, they won eight of nine uh, collapse at Michigan. They won eight straight um, after the Clemson game in 2015, won six straight. The first Georgia loss won seven straight second Georgia loss one nine of 10 Cincinnati loss one seven straight. Um, so I think bouncing back from, uh, a game like Ohio State, it would not be. It's it's likely um, that that would happen based on Notre Dame's history. My score is not too much different than yours. I'm in the 31-20 range, but I'm going to borrow from Pete Sampson and past podcasts where I say it's looking at a 31-13 score or 28-13 score at one point where Notre Dame's ahead and they win by 11, but they won by 14 or 15 or 16 mm-hmm. points. If that makes sense. That um, yep. I don't Duke's not going to stop coming. They have enough with Riley Leonard. I think Riley Leonard also, if you get a little bit ahead of Duke and, or if it's close, Riley Leonard gets hard to tackle as the game goes on too. that will be an interesting matchup. Um, if Notre Dame's wide receivers come to play, then 31, 17, 34, 17, something like that. I just think I want to give Duke some credit there in the secondary against a really young inexperienced group for Notre Dame. Um, I, it's interesting that three guys are already down happens every year. Need more receivers that are capable of helping your team. Oh, Melly, who would have thought that? Norman I mean, I mean, just the math giver could have figured that out, but there was. Uh... <laughs> I'm interested to hear your next conversation regarding that topic with Chancey Stuckey. And, well, and I, I think just, it's important. He's just the most affable guy in the world. And he looked at me <laughs> like I was crazy. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying you don't have enough players on your team right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your talking, fault, man. You we're just game don't have six, enough guys. man. We're game six. We're game six. Right? It's already a crazy child right here. I'm surprised somebody hasn't transferred yet like they do every year. Unbelievable. Well, all right. My prediction will come out in the uh, in Irish Illustrated's Fighting Irish preview on Friday. If you are a podcast listener, please check us out at irishillustrated.com. And this weekend, we'll be all traveling to Durham. So check out our uh, our instant analysis pregame, postgame, and, of course, Irish Illustrated overtime. Until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, and Pete Sampson, this has been... Irish Illustrated Insider.